0: Old School Lame Casual Chats is brought to you by Old School Lame, producing various content from blogs, videos, and podcasts discussing about movies, TV shows, video games, and everything else in between since 2011. You can check out the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, Overcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and YouTube. We're associated with Channel Frederator, Manic Expression, The Comic Book Cast, and The Aaron Meta Show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Casual Chats. I'm Patricia, and I'm here with Aaron Meta from The Aaron Mehta Show. Hey, everybody. How's it going? All right. Well, today we're going to be discussing about NES and SNES memories. Now, this is something that Aaron and I have done in previous episodes of Casual Chats, where we look back on memories of consoles. We did the Game Boy Memories podcast, and we did the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive podcast.
1: Well, I thought we'd do something different this time around, because uh, I've actually got the physical boxes actually here, so we're not doing this online, we're actually doing this here in the studio, here in Manchester, and so I thought i uh, will get out the boxes of all the uh, NES and SNES, it's not everything, but it's basically going to be enough for us to talk about certain things, so uh, how about we uh, open the, basically are these, these uh, are boxes full of NES and SNES uh, games, uh, controllers, you know, other things like that. I thought maybe we could dive into these boxes and maybe we can uh, have some conversations about what's in them.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. So right before we get into that, so, yeah, what was your earliest memory of the NES and the SNES?
1: Uh, My earliest memory of the SNES is actually my first ever video game console. It was uh, bought uh, by me, uh, actually, it was bought by my dad in 1993. Uh, We went to Toys R Us in order to get it. Uh, it, We got uh, both a Super Mario All-Star, and Super Mario World, so those games were um, pretty the big games uh, pretty much at the time, and uh, I absolutely adored them, so hopefully we'll uh, find them in the box and uh, we'll be able to uh, remember about them.
0: Yeah, and as for me, the NES, I remember it was like back around the early 90s when my teacher Uh, actually had it on her classroom so on Fridays whenever that we finish off with our uh, school assignments and whenever that we had all of our work caught up we would have something called free time in which like every 30 minutes you can be able to go off and do something you can you you could draw, you can read, or you could watch a, a movie or like one of those 30-minute school specials, or you can play with her NES. And I remember she had things like Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3, and she had Yoshi and Double Dragon and various other games. And as for the SNES, my cousin owned an SNES and whenever that I would go home after school um, then he would come over and he would bring his SNES or I would go to his house after school and we would play with um, his SNES and he had things like um, uh, Link to the Past Super Metroid, Mortal Kombat 2 and various other games so yeah let's uh, let's open up this box of goodies shall we? So shall we go over the NES shall we? Let's do the NES
1: first. Uh, yeah, so, um, first of all I mean what's the NES? I mean my first memory of the NES NES was uh, buying it pre-owned from uh, GameStation when GameStation was a thing at the time. And so uh, I bought this, uh, I think around about, I think it was like around about £12 or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. it was very, very cheap at the time. But uh, also on top of that, it came with like a number of games. Now I've had to bag these up because these games are very fragile. So uh, I don't really like, I try my best to keep them clean as much as I can. But I think the first thing I think we should probably talk about in regards to the NES is probably the the classic NES controller itself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I have the controller in my hand, and yeah, looking back on how controller, are you know, they are today, it's very rectangular, so I would take it, like, for today's standards, it would be kind of, like, a little uncomfortable with your hands because you have, like, the... Um, class, you have like controllers that basically like shape your- around your hands nowadays, and-, and
1: apparently we've somehow evolved into like you know our hands not being able to hold rectangles for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah,
0: so. yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, well, and- I can fit
1: my hand around this and you press the buttons and everything like that. I don't know why anyone else would have, to have a struggle to do this. To be quite honest with you,
0: yeah, I guess so. I mean, I take it that um maybe with like uh younger gamers uh, that are not accustomed to like holding rectangles, that maybe they'll be uh thinking that it's a little bit uncomfortable and also. We're
1: we're coddling today's youth, quite frankly. Like you know, just. uh You know, I mean, these are more you know, more awkward controllers, if you ask me. You know, like right, you know, right, and you drill have drill this out of them.
0: Yeah, you have the D pad, which is basically a Nintendo copyright exclusive, where it's basically the uh, directional button. You have up, down, left, and right. You didn't. There's no analog stick in this one. You have start and select, and you have the B button and the A button. And There's no L and R controllers or anything like that. So this was pretty much it.
1: Yeah, but actually, this actually wasn't just it because uh, if anyone remembers the angry video game episode of like the nes accessories there were various other ways that so you know you could play your nes so there was obviously the nes max and the nes advantage and then obviously there was the uh, the power pad as well and uh, also there was the uh, um you know various other ways I mean, some of them were like we you know were failed experiments you know immediately like you know the rolling rocker for example oh yeah the like, rolling rocker yeah. you had like, you're um, holding
0: the controller anyway so you might as well just push the buttons like, exactly no yeah sense. you might as well just uh, push the buttons and that's pretty much it, yeah. And there were some other ones too, like, uh, do you remember the NES top-loader?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember the top-loading uh, one as well, and also there was, uh, I think, a, a third generation as well, I think, uh, Super, Ninte- uh, sorry, uh, sorry, no, Super Nintendo sorry, sorry, not Super Nintendo, Nintendo Entertainment System as well, which I think was very rare, and uh, I think uh, also, if you remember, uh, the Japanese version was also uh, not known as the NES, it was known as the Famicom right. at the time, and also the Famicom came with a disc system as well. Yes. Uh, a disc system that was never released in the United States or in Europe.
0: Yeah, and also another thing that we never got from Japan was um, also the uh, the NES, uh, the, I mean, the, the Famicom, um, you know, keyboard. We never got that either, where you can be able to just, like, you know, log on and basically just um, fiddle around with, like, various other things like you can be able to enter in some certain codes so you can be able to, like, access certain games and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, There was a nice little nifty trick that you could do. If you bought Famicom games, you you know, the Famicom games actually do work in the NES and uh, let me explain why because um, if you bought uh, a particular I don't know there are some particular games that were they basically cut corners when they were making them so instead what they did was they made um, NES cartridges that basically were more like uh, you know, um, you know uh, expansion fa- f- packs basically yes, they had like the expansion cards in them so basically what they did was they plugged the Famicom circuit board into basically this adapter that was inside the NES cartridge and basically that's how they you know, uh, made them so they could play on American consoles. So if you wanted to, if you had any games that basically had these adapters in them, you could ba- you could pull those out, you could uh, take apart the Famicom cartridge, put that in the uh, in the NES adapter, put that in there and then you could play Japanese games on an American console if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, yeah. And there were several games that we never got in America or in Europe that was exclusive in Japan. And I'm sure that you probably seen like various episodes of AVGN where he talked about like, you know, every Time that a Japanese game uh, was exclusive over there. It was either the only good one or the worst of them all.
1: Yeah. So um, anyway, this is about our memories. You know, yes, exactly. So, this is our yeah. memories. So uh, let's start off with the classic Tetris. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Tetris. I mean, what's more to say about Tetris? I mean, you have the classic puzzle game involving with like seven. The on the
1: front it says "From Russia with fun." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. no grief. So uh, the one thing I would say about I mean, we usually talk about like whilst we're talking about Tetris, we talk about to Talk about the cartridge itself, and so they all had these different types of warnings on them. So, like, caution: do not store in extreme temperatures. Do not immerse in water. Do not clean with benzene, thinner, alcohol, or such solvents. So, like, you know, they they really did tell you to look after these things effectively. And you know, these like you you think that these things, you know, also the fact that they are so you know fragile now, you know that I have to keep them like you know away from like you know air and things like that. Like, you know, that's how much of a you know you know paranoid. I am about breaking these things. Yeah, basically. and
0: you remember when we were kids about that? The way to clean an NES cartridge was to blow on it.
1: Yeah, well, in actual fact, you just blowing more bacteria in it and causing even more of a mess.
0: And also, not to mention that you're causing more erosion because you're adding moisture into it. the r- The real thing of how you can clean up a NES cartridge is if you get a toothpick, a little tiny bit of cleaning solution, and you should be able to remove all the dust from it.
1: I believe like glass cleaning solution and things probably like you know the beneficial one. I yes, think, I think I, so I'm too yeah. Done. Yeah. Okay, so uh, anyway, we are talking about Tetris, actually. So um Tetris, you know, I, I, I think I've spoken about Tetris, you know, multiple times, like on Aaron and patricia and like those on various casual chats as well. This is the game I really, really love to play, and uh, so you can play, like, uh, you know, uh, I think you can play multiplayer as you well you know, on, on Tetris. And uh, there's actually this is the subject of a, like a docudrama as well. You know, yeah, actually, on there Apple was TV. there was an there was
0: an Apple TV movie where you get to see the the actual makings of Tetris and how. Steve Rogers was able to go all the way to Russia to convince the government to um, release Tetris in America and various other countries because they were just so tightly knit over there.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think uh, this is like one of the most like, you know, the, For those of you, I mean, if you don't play Tetris, then you need to go stop play stop listening to this podcast, and go play Tetris. Seriously, it's, it's, it's everywhere. You, there's even there's even apps you can download on the Apple Store for like you know for Tetris as well. So like it's not just on the NES. But uh, uh, Tetris is like it's just about a bunch of blocks. You um you know you, you the blocks come down and uh, you, you know they go faster every time you know uh, they you know the, as the game goes on and you have to really like you know it really does test your senses and really tests you like your strategy of how you know you put these blocks down together when you get a complete line that line disappears and then the whole uh, structure falls down and then you get more blocks and that's basically you know a you know a, um a bit of a rough description of Tetris yeah pretty much
0: now it's actually funny because I think we briefly mentioned about Tetris in the Game Boy podcast and we also talked about how Tetris. Depending on which version you had, they had different music. Well, if you
1: remember, I spoke about Unreal Tournament a, a number of times, and one of my favorite things I used to do before while waiting for multiplayer games on Unreal Tournament to start was actually I downloaded a mod which actually gives you like a little Tetris game to actually play while you're waiting for uh, you know the the game to start, and that's what I used to do. I used to like uh, before you know I started like you know slicing people up with the Ripper on, uh, on Unreal Tournament. I used to just got playing Tetris, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that, that you know that's, uh, that uh, that's how that's how versatile Tetris was, and I'm pretty sure I've said that previously. But, you you uh, probably yeah. have yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I just think that's you know this is a great game and a really uh, a great classic for the NES.
0: Yeah, Uh, and I know that also for a lot of people who probably were introduced to Tetris in other ways, they were either introduced to it through the SNES with Tetris and Doctor Mario. There was Tetris 64. There was Tetris DS, where it actually featured various Nintendo levels, and then just recently Tetris 99, where you get to like play this huge battle royale where you play off against 99 players on Tetris. And the one who's standing is the winner.
1: Okay. So um, next one in this is uh, Mario Brothers Duck Huns you know, that's classic yes. cartridge so for those of you who aren't aware you could actually get what what we would call the gun for the uh, NES and uh, it's actually known as the light gun or like you know the, was, NES, yeah, Zapper. Yeah, NES Zapper NES uh, Zapper recently there was a hilarious story about uh, a guy who like painted a NES Zapper and uh, tried to rub a store with it so, oh yeah, uh, yeah we
0: talked about that in Aaron and Patricia a few yes, weeks ago yes we did
1: ago. yeah so um, let's start off with Mario Brothers I mean first of all Mario Brothers is, is exactly what it says on the tin it's Mario Brothers it's uh, uh, you know 8 level are like going for like a fantasy world trying to rescue a princess only to be told like every time you go through a level that sorry the princess is in another castle and you have to go to the next one
0: yeah i mean all the staples of classic platforming is right here you have the side scrolling you have the power-ups you have the levels you have bad guys that you get to be able to fight off against and it basically set the standard of platforming games to come and also it was i mean it wasn't exactly the first of the mario series i mean we had the Mario Brothers arcade game in 1983, and he did show up in uh, Donkey Kong in 1981. But this was like the game that a lot of people got introduced to with Mario, and even still to this day, Mario is still a icon in video games. Uh, we still have a lot of games to this day, and they're even making more games of it on the Switch. And of course, there's the unprecedented Super Mario Brothers movie. Mm-hmm. All right, okay, so, so yeah, uh... um, but also
1: there's duck hunts as well, and uh, duck hunt basically uh, utilizes the light gun. So you get uh, you know, very vari- you get various like um, things that you can do. So you can even do the clay pigeon shoot, which you basically launches like two discs into the air, and you basically shoot the bo- both of them, and uh, that just keeps going and going and going. Or you can play the main game, which is where you actually go on the duck hunt. So what happens is you um, you know a duck comes into the air, you shoot it with the light gun. How the light gun works is it works a lot like a barcode reader. So what it does is it determines where the um the white block is on the screen you'll notice it'll flash uh, just briefly and uh, what will happen is the light gun will then read the screen and find out where the white block is now if it finds the white block it will hit the duck the duck will die and therefore you know the uh the dog will then lift it up and uh, smile at you and uh, but however if you can't read the white block what it will do is the duck will fly away and then the uh, the dog will basically just
0: laugh at you yeah and there were so many memes of people hating the dog there used to be like various games even on new grounds where you get to actually shoot the dog dead
1: shoot the dog <laughs> shoot the shoot dog, the dog. <laughs> yeah no, george michael
0: yeah but uh, even still to this day uh duck hunt has become an iconic uh series of games that you get to play with the light gun and uh you even have the uh option of even playing as the duck hunt dog in super smash brothers ultimate
1: okay um, next memory so um, this actually is a collection cartridge it is actually called Donkey Kong Classic so what this is is this is the original Donkey Kong and also Donkey Kong Jr combined it's all in the same cartridge so uh...
0: yeah so yeah it's funny because um, I never really played the original Donkey Kong when I was a kid I was actually introduced to Donkey Kong Country first and then I learned about the original uh, arcade game and and when I did see it it's like wow you know Mario's the bad guy and you know he he basically like kidnapped Pauline this is for Donkey Kong Jr. by the way and then for the original Donkey Kong you have where uh, Donkey Kong kidnaps uh, Mario's girlfriend Pauline yeah not Princess Peach not Princess Daisy Pauline and basically he goes off and you know he goes through various levels uh, jumping on barrels and avoiding oil drums and very things to rescue Pauline and it's actually funny because they reference this in uh Super Mario Brothers Odyssey in which you have like the uh you know the Donkey Kong City that you get to visit around and there's also the fact that um, with Mario, you get to actually, um, you know, play as him w- with the hammer, which is uh, a power-up that you would see a lot in, like, recent uh, RPGs. But, uh, no, this is actually the power-up that Mario used. And uh, and also, not to mention that um, Donkey Kong Jr. was a character that it's kind of difficult to say because I think that they sort of, kind of, kind, I don't know, for Rare's kind of, like, did a um, continuity error thing with uh, having Donkey Kong, the original Donkey Kong, be essentially Cranky Kong, and then Donkey Kong Jr. was either one of two things. He was either the current Donkey Kong grown up, or they were originally going to have Donkey Kong Jr., but then they decided to scrap it in favor of Donkey um, Diddy Kong, and yeah, I-, I think that the continuity is a little bit mixed. To be honest with you,
1: like, you know, I don't really care about that to be quite honest. I know it sounds really strange, but, you know, like, a Cranky Kong, I just say, well, okay, here was the original Donkey Kong, and this is the current Donkey Kong. I, I just accept that. <laughs> yeah,
0: whatever. that that's true. But yeah, it's it's a classic um, you know, arcade game, and originally, this was supposed to be a Popeye game, if you can believe it.
1: Yeah, I remember, like, so, um, you-, you know, this is funny, like, you know, a lot of games that, you know, have come through, like, you know, Nintendo's thing, either, I mean, different... You mind, like you know, uh, I mean, obviously switching gears a little bit, but you remember Dinosaur Planet for a Nintendo 64 that originally was supposed to be its own thing from Rare, but then uh, Shigeru Miyamoto suggested that they make it a Star Fox game, and therefore Star Fox Avengers then came out on the GameCube and was the you know, Rare's last ever game for uh, Nintendo,
0: yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so um, overall, uh, classic uh, arcade game. There's also a Game Boy version, which is also really good, and they even had recent versions on GBA and DS, so a uh, classic arcade game still holds strong. Okay. Um, the
1: next one in my list is Super
0: Mario Brothers 2 aka Doki Doki Panic. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, um, this uh, is uh, was a, a a departure I think from, you know, Mario Brothers because obviously you got more characters to play with. so not only do you play with Mario, you got to play with Mario, Luigi, either uh, Toad or you gotta play with you know, Princess Toadstool as she was known as at the time. So, um, the idea is is that uh, they get dropped into this world and uh, but uh, you know, you uh, so you end up not really like, you know, bouncing on enemies, if you will. You end up, like, picking them up and, like, throwing them at people.
0: Yes. Pretty much. And
1: uh, so, um, you know, this game is radically different. From the uh, Mario Brothers that we actually know from uh, the the original NES.
0: Yeah, the biggest misconception at the time was that oh, um, you know, they it, it, it's not a real Mario game. It's essentially Doki Doki Panic, but they swapped off with the Mario characters. Well, here's the thing, and I'm sure that you probably know this if you've seen digital gaming uh, videos from ten years ago, where uh, originally they wanted to do a side-scrolling Mario game that you could be able to go um, up as opposed to just like scrolling side to side, and then there was the whole deal with like the um, Doki Doki Panic uh, with um, uh, Tokyo TV and then with uh, Mario mixed into it for the Americans because we didn't know any of the characters from Doki Doki Panic. I think it was based off of like a, a TV show or something like that or maybe they were the mascots of the TV company. I'm not sure but the point was is that um, technically they w- this was supposed to be a Mario game all along with the mechanics but the characters on the other hand was a little bit different. I, I know it's a bit iffy but i know some people they've dismissed this altogether saying it's not a true mario game but i actually like this in fact i prefer this over the japanese super mario brothers 2 where it's essentially the first super mario brothers game but it's really really hard but, yeah.
1: And uh, if you remember, Super Mario Brothers All-Stars they actually renamed it to Super Mario The Lost Levels. That's so right. Remember, yes,
0: yeah. they did. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this game. I love the way that you can be able to play as the different characters. Uh, you know, Mario's the neutral one. Luigi has this, the double jump. Uh, Toad can run really, really fast. And Peach, even though she's the slowest, she has a really, really extensive jump. And uh, th- you have, like, different, um, you know, bad guys that you had in the first game. Berto was introduced here. Shy guys. Baba. Bombs, um, you had, um, let's see, Ostros, uh, the introduction of Mouser and uh, Wart were in here as well. So, yeah, a lot of essential bad guys that we would know from like classic uh, Mario was introduced here in Super Mario Bros. 2. The
1: only complaint I would say I have about this game is that is the ending. So, basically, oh, yeah, yes. the ending you find out after you beat the final boss that actually this whole thing was just, was just a dream that Mario was having. Yes, and, but b- they
0: basically go all saint elsewhere in which, like, the whole uh, hospital drama was nothing more than just the imagination of a kid looking through a snow globe. So, yeah, the whole thing was a dream, which is a major cop-out, yes, but... What was the
1: one when, like, uh, the soap opera where they killed off a character and then after that they had the woman wake up and they find out they found him in the shower? Oh,
0: that's Dallas, Dallas yeah. 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 who shot Jr? Well, it turns out that Jr. was in the shower this whole time, and the two s- or three seasons that she thought that he was dead was nothing but a dream.
1: Yeah. Okay. And uh, the final one in my collection that I have, I have a very small NES collection. I admittedly is Super Mario Bros. three, and uh, this is the game that was first introduced in the movie The, the Wizard.
0: Wizard. Yes, California, I... California. I love the Power Glove. It's so bad. Yes, oh I I've done an entire podcast on the Wizard with my friend Chris, aka Roddy C from TV Trash, and I have to say that as somebody who saw it back in two thousand and seven back. When I was in my, uh, you know, uh, video game tournament slash anime phase in college, um, you know, if seeing it from that perspective, it's like, yeah, I, it kind of like took me back into like that time period where people were just so mystified with video games, and yeah, it's a bit stupid at points, but I kind of see it as like a really fascinating time capsule into like 1980s pop culture. And Super Mario Brothers was probably like one of the major highlights that people still remember to this day. Where, uh, at you, here's the thing, the the game came out. 1988 in japan but because they didn't have enough chips to distribute it everywhere else they had to wait another 18 months for people to get it and so they made this huge deal out of super mario brothers 3 because nobody had ever heard of it outside of japan and so you have many things that made i would say conceptually is like the best mario game on the nes you have the multiple levels you have the power-ups you have um you know bowser and the koopalings you have like all the various levels and also you have such amazing music and it just turned out that the whole thing was nothing more than a stage play. So yeah, it's fantastic. Even still to this day, that people consider it to be the best Mario game.
1: Yeah, I think it's a really great Mario game, and also it was pretty much the uh, you know the, the first inception that would then go on to be Super Mario World, effectively, uh, because then they would use like the map system, and also they would use some, like some of the power ups. You know, well, they use like variations of the power ups that came out of Super Mario Brothers Three. So we, so, but Mario Three ended up kind of like being uh, you know the first kind of blueprints are like you know how you would do a mario game effectively and they still somewhat use this kind of system even to this day and we're going to be getting it soon with uh, you know uh uh, mario brothers uh uh, wonder uh, that's right yes So.
0: Yeah, and another thing that I want to mention about Super Mario Bros. 3 was the GBA version of it, where they actually had like multiple levels that you can be able to unlock using the e reader card, but only a few of it was released in America. You got none of it in Europe, and it was all in Japan. And because the e reader didn't work out very well in the US, we only got like maybe eight levels while they got like over 50. And so the only way that we Americans can be able to play like over those, like over 30, 40, 50 levels was when it was released on the wii u virtual console and just recently it's released on the switch virtual console so yeah i'm super mario brothers 3 such a fantastic game go check it out either version is fine but yeah, right before we go over to the SNES stuff, um, what are your what what are their favorite NES games that you have that is not in your collection?
1: Um, that's a really great question. I mean, I have got to be honest with you, like uh, my memories. I mean, tell you probably the I can tell you all the, wo- the worst game I ever played on. Uh, sure, NES game. It was the Terminator games. The Terminator oh, games are terrible. No. yeah, they're, they're awful. I played them, and yeah, they are really really awful to play. And uh, so you know, I play, you know, LG, you know, in regards to LJN games on the NES, you know, I totally agree with Angry Video Game. Nerd. they really are the worst. Worst, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the collection if you ever have them, and uh, so. But to be honest with you, like you know, most of my memories, you know, are basically in my collection. You all know, the, the Mario games I played, Tetris, and uh, yeah, those were my NES memories. I got to be honest with you, I, I think my when we move on to Super Nintendo, I think these are more of my fond memories. Okay, got to be honest with you. Yeah, so, so
0: well, I guess we'll go over to that in just a moment. But I just want to run off some of my favorite NES games. So uh, Castlevania One and Three are some of my favorites. I remember why, uh, like playing them when I was a kid, and I was really happy when, um, you know, there were more uh, availability of it, because I just recently got the Castlevania collection on the on the Steam, um, uh, you know, on Steam, and then there was also Mega Man, like, I love Mega Man, I did an entire podcast of Mega Man with Ash Paulson from Game Explain and we talked about, like, the classic games and the Mega Man X games, which we'll get to in a moment, but yeah, I would say that out of the games on Mega Man, the classic series, you had one, through six my favorites are definitely I mean I do like two but it can get a little glitchy at times um three I also did enjoy like the first half didn't really care about the second half very much four I thought it was very balanced and five and six uh I didn't really like five six I thought was really underrated and the first game is a little bit rough around the edges Cool. And uh, then there's also Metroid. I also really love Metroid, the original, but I would prefer to play the GBA remake, which is Metroid Zero Mission. And uh, let's see what else there was. Um, Yeah, Double Dragon. Like I said, I really love Double Dragon as well. I also really like Battletoads. And um, yeah, there's plenty. Oh, Punch-Out! I'm I'm really good with the NES Punch-Out as well. So um, yeah, those are some of my favorite games that I played on the NES when I was a kid. All right, okay. so let's go over to the SNES.
1: Yeah, so i got the box open already. I'm really keen to actually talk about this. So um, when the Super Nintendo came out, I mean, uh, it kind of annoyed a lot of parents. you remember, like, uh, there was the uh, the news reports that saying that, oh, yeah, the Super Nintendo is here, but unfortunately it can't play the old Nintendo cartridges, oh, which yeah. apparently got a lot of people annoyed. So, um, you know, but thankfully I didn't have that problem because at the time I didn't have an NES. You know, uh, my first ever console, I am happy to say, was the Super Nintendo, and I loved the Super Nintendo. I I love it, too. I, I think it's uh, one of the most um, fantastic pieces of uh, gaming history, I think, uh, that we have. Now, I'm sure there's going to be people out there saying, like, you know, oh, well, you know, it was a Sega Mega Drive that won the console war, or whatever, because, you know, Sonic got an attitude, and, you know, obviously, you know, Michael Jackson was there, obviously, when he wasn't controversial. But, you know, I still believe that, you know, uh, hands down, I think, you know, um, down to the games, down to the hardware, down to the accessories. I believe the Super Nintendo actually was the... game console that defined the 90s in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it, it, like we said in the Sega Genesis slash Mega Drive podcast that we did with uh, my good friend Tom, that it's a bit of a debate on which console was the best because they each had their strengths and weaknesses. I mean, obviously with the whole blast processing of the Mega Drive, it technically was faster but it was weak in everything else. Processing power and um, no, no, you know, wait, colors. The, thing, like,
1: the, the CPU in the Mega Drive, I think, was, yeah, I do agree, was superior in every Way to the Super Nintendo. However, the problem that they had was is that they decided to make a really powerful processor in the Mega Drive, but they basically decided to cheap out on every other important aspect. Whether it was the RAM, whether it was the sound uh, card in the device, whether it was the uh, even the graphics chip as well. Like you know, the the you know, if you really think about it, they really decided to say, okay, we're gonna punch all our power into you know um, the 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 into the processor but not really thinking about giving it any, like... It's kind of like giving it, like, a really intelligent brain but not giving it any muscle, uh, right. basically, to kind of, like, you know, be able to flex. Whereas the Zubin's I know, okay, it's not the most, you know, um, uh, process-friendly... Uh, game console but you really when you look at it you don't really need that like you know we're going to go through some of these games and I guarantee you like you know a lot of these here are going to be like well why would you need blast processing with these games these games are fun on their own
0: exactly yeah and and it's funny enough that Nintendo was originally not going to do a follow up to the NES at all until they saw you know Sega releasing the Mega Drive and then all of the games that came out of it Alex Kidd and especially Sonic the Hedgehog where they were like oh wow now we really have a competition going on We need to be able to release a follow-up to the NES. And, yes, I know that there were some complaints that it wasn't backwards compatible, which, um, you know, unfortunately, is still a problem to this day. Uh, I don't understand why a lot of these uh, companies have to, like, basically say, okay... We have these consoles, it's going to be around for a few years, and then you have to, you know, spend hundreds of dollars on your next console, and you have to have a slew of games with it. I mean, the only issue that I would personally have on that is that, you know, you you have to, like, you know, go bang for your buck on this. It's like, yeah, there's going to be some people out there who are going to be playing the next console, and then you have the, the leftover stuff, but, you know, sometimes there's a case in which, like, maybe it's good for you to wait, because, you know, usually when it comes to, like, recent um you know reveals on consoles and what the games are it's always nice for you to see if that is going to be the thing for you otherwise you're going to end up with a 3do or a um (laughs) a philip cdi situation am i right
1: yeah, definitely. So, um, shall we go through some of the, should we go through some of the accessories first? Maybe yeah, let's go through, through the accessories. The right, so obviously you get the standard Nintendo, Super Nintendo controller and so this, as you can probably imagine, here's the thing about this though, because Patricia, because this, as you can probably imagine, is very radically different from the any so Super Nintendo that you're different. So do you want to tell is. everybody how different this Super Nintendo is compared to the Super Nintendo in Europe and the Famicom?
0: Absolutely. Like, first of all, I'm looking at this right now and I'm looking through the buttons and they're colored and I can understand where the color comes from because if you look at the original Super Famicom logo it has these colors right here while we have unfortunately purple buttons in the main um controller so uh we talked about that how in the NES where you had two buttons a and b well this one you have four buttons you have a b and Y and X, uh, and then you have uh, two um, back buttons right over here. You have the L button and you have the R button. So that was used for many things. Whether you were like um, using it so you can be able to push off, um, you know, fighting moves for Street Fighter, so you can have your move stronger, or um, you can be able to use this button so you can be able to aim, like in Super Metroid, so you can have the the L button to aim, and then you can have like the R button to shoot. Or you can be able to customize the controls however you wanted to, but. Yeah, other than that, um, I would say that it's more or less the same, with the exception of that you have the Super Nintendo, which it has the Famicom logo right in the front, and then, of course, you have the multicolored buttons, which our colors were just purple, and that was pretty much it.
1: There was also... but By the way, that wasn't the only control that you could actually get. You could get something like this, which is so bizarre. I have seen
0: something like this. So I am holding in my hand the Super Famous card, which is basically basically that you can be able to play around with the speed of the uh, of whatever button that you're pushing so if you just push off like some knobs right over here depending on which button that you are going to be pressing you can be able to press a button really really fast that way you don't have to worry about like jamming your Thumb through the button so that you can be able to like do something. So yeah, that way your thumbs don't wear out and it doesn't become. Oh, like you know,
1: future game consoles will become intelligent to that. If you are remember Metal Gear Solid, you can't use like auto fire, you know, with controllers because it wouldn't it would automatically find out where it was. Yeah. So you know, they did finally find ways to lock all that out. However, like you know, some of the uh, you know third party controllers actually were pretty useful at the time because here's the Composition Pro and uh, look at the D pad. Like you know, yes. you have you have you usually you only have like four directions to kind of. Yo, and this one has eight
0: yes it does and it does have the option of being able to smoothly at least at the time move your fingers through any direction that you want on the d-pad so that you can be able to have uh, much more of an easier way to pull off moves this would be really great for fighting games so will help me
1: get free stuff Fox Controller
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely so yeah for something like a fighting game like Street Fighter where you you're, if you're going to do a hadouken for example you would do like the classic you know quarter circle and punch or kick or something like that And it'll be a lot easier for you to maneuver and that's something that the sega genesis like the the basic controller didn't have it didn't have the l and r buttons and it only had three buttons where you can be able to have much more of a variety with other buttons on the super nintendo or the super famicom whichever version that you have so yeah let's take a look at another accessory that you have
1: okay then so um oh well uh what what would you believe we have a mouse here yes
0: that's right this right here is the snes mouse and you could use it to play mario paint so yeah i remember that i had oh and you actually have mario Paint? yeah i do
1: have mario paint oh yeah well like uh, so um the story goes that i actually asked my dad if i could actually have mario paint but my dad said at the time well you haven't confused that already is like all this stuff anyway so he didn't he couldn't justify doing it and so um yeah so I eventually you know future down the line i actually did buy mario paint and uh, i actually have a lot of fun with it when I first started playing it, and uh, no, so basically how it works is that uh, you need to uh, not plug in the uh, controller, you need to plug in the ma- the mouse. And I tell you what, though, uh, you know this is the one of the mouse. Ma- this is one of the ball mouse. So before you know m- modern mice now today either use like infrared or use like light, you know um, technology. So I've but I gotta be honest with you, like uh, this is a ball mouse. This has like a ball inside of it, and I have to say it is one of the most impressive mice that I have ever used because we've always had th- they use. There used to be times when um, mice would break down either because the uh, the mechanic is in it, you just can't turn the ball anymore. Or you have to like put talcum powder on it something like that in order to like you know get the keep the keep the ball moving. You just wouldn't be able to move on its own. But uh, you know, there's how's old to the Nintendo? They actually came up with a really good solution for uh, you know a, a mouse. Thing. I really kind of wish they kind of built more of these mice to be quite honest with you. But uh, you know, here we are.
0: Yeah. So. And as for Mario paints, like I didn't really use a lot of the painting at the time. I was more Mostly there for the mini games and for the music. I really enjoyed like futzing around with whatever music that I can be able to come up with, even though that I didn't do a really good job of it. But there was also the mini game where you get to like f- uh, swat a bunch of flies, which I thought yeah the was fly like, swatting game. Yeah, the fly swatting game, which was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I also really like the fact that you can be able to have all of these pre-made drawings, so you can be able to color it, and they also have like um, animation, so you can be able to like customize it and you also had a free for all so you can be able to color and draw whatever you wanted. I mean if you are a pro you can be able to do some great stuff with it.
1: Yeah. Uh, there is another but unfortunately the uh, the actual big massive bazooka that used to be able to get with the NES, sorry the Super Nintendo, uh I've it's still packed in storage somewhere, but I have managed to keep hold of like the um, the uh, That's uh, the, uh, the that's the
0: Yeah, that's the sensor for the uh, Super Nintendo Nintendo scope.
1: Yeah. So uh, how the Nintendo scope worked is that it looked at the dots on your CRT television and it would look off the red dots and basically that would uh, describe help how it would aim. However it wasn't very good because if you had a flat TV it would not really aim all that well and uh, it, it just it also depending like on the size of the TV as well so like it was uh, it, it was sort of a downgrade really from like you know the light gun where all it needed to do was like you know read a white square and then after that it would decide whether you hit the targets or not. This made it far more difficult and so I actually do have the as uh, Nes uh, scope, um, you know, game in here. It's like it's a uh, red and black thing, and so uh, you know if you saw how um, awful the. Uh the uh, Virtual Boy was, uh, you know, in red and black. I think you always see this is where we're having red and black on uh, Nintendo things. Should be, well, here it is. So uh, that is the Nintendo Scope 6. Yeah, uh, I remember there. this one. These are the six games that you get for the Nintendo Scope.
0: Yeah, I, I remember that my cousin actually owned one of these, and it, it, he had the CRT TV. It wasn't, uh, he didn't have a flat screen, at least not at the time. And so he was able to, like, shoot around it, and it was able to do it just fine. The problem was, was that compared to the NES Zapper. Is that you needed to plug in AA batteries to this to the you know to the scope as opposed to and like. And by the
1: way, if you don't take them out quick enough, it drains them in a couple of hours.
0: It does. It, it, I remember that we had to get like a ton of batteries for this. And you know, here's the thing: like I owned, um, I wouldn't own a Game Boy until a little bit later on. But I remember I used batteries because I actually did have like one or two Tiger handhelds. So I I think that um, having to save batteries for this stuff was just ridiculous, especially since you know traditionally with like these things you would use like maybe two or four no you had to use six for this and you know sometimes the game didn't work because you know maybe the aim wasn't correct but yeah it's just crazy to think that the only way you're going to be able to make something like this work is if you have a crt tv which you know it's kind of hard to find anymore yeah
1: um, the next, uh, well probably I don't know if this is gonna be the last uh, uh, accessory we'll look at, but uh, these were the tribal taps. And uh, what do you think this did?
0: Oh yeah, you can be able to plug in at least uh, multiple controllers for multiplayer
1: exactly so yeah because at the time the Super Nintendo only had two ports where you could uh, you know plug in uh, you know uh, controller bus however there were games that did utilize it by the way we'll, we'll go through the games uh, later on I'll tell you which ones you, you know utilized the multi-tap however if you wanted to play you could you could play six players on this and uh, there are so say you know where are you gonna find you know six player games well um, my, micro machines did it and you know uh, also there's another game in their collection which we'll talk about in depth which you could do it as well but uh, yeah I have to i use the multi tap a lot of time with all my friends and i tell you what it's a lot of fun you know it is really good
0: yeah the only so. time i wish i had something like this accessory was for my playstation 2 or when i plugged it in i can play up to like Oh, like what was it, like six players or something like that because you plugged it into the second port and you can be able to have like more ports so that you can be able to plug it in and i use it for things like um, you know the multiplayer for ratchet and clank or you know you get to plug uh, a play up to like four players for like uh, various uh, sports games but yeah I, I mean i could see this Um, being, like, really big for a lot of multiplayer games for the SNES. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we've delayed
1: further enough. I think we should probably get right into the games, if you ask me. And uh, I really want to start with this one, if I may. Super Mario World. Yeah, let's go for it. This is a great Mario game. I love this game so much.
0: I do, too. In fact, I may have called this my favorite Mario game of all time, but then games like Super Mario Galaxy and Odyssey came into the light, but I remember I played this a lot. I've beaten this game at least 2 or 3 times in my life. I've
1: beaten it like probably like more than 10 times. Like I love this game so much. I
0: love it too. I love the fact that it expands the world. You even though that you get less power-ups, but I personally feel like things such as the the you know the leaf is able to make up for it. And also you get Yoshi into the mix and Yoshi's a great addition. And you also go back to the basics of the side scrolling as opposed to like going up uh, you know, all the way up like you would with Super Mario Brothers 2. Although you do a little bit of that in Super Mario World, and you have the Koopalings back, and you're also able to have like different worlds even after you completed the game. And that's one of the things that I love about it. It has great music and the secrets that you're able to discover. It's such a great game.
1: Yeah, and it's just the fact that you have so many different worlds, like uh, levels you can go to as well. Like your underwater worlds, you got like you know uh, the, forest. Uh, the forest worlds. You got like uh, you know uh, the uh, the ghost houses as well. You got the castles themselves and also like the underground levels well. So the underground levels are pretty cool yeah they are uh, yeah and also yeah, you guys get to enter into the star world as well which you know if you if you, uh, if you got uh, like certain secret like keys and put them into locks you could basically unlo- unlock the star portals or like unlock you know uh, secret bla- passages you can go into like different places so like it wasn't linear anyway you can actually go into secret uh, the secret bits and you got to go to the star world and if you completed all the star world bits it takes you into the uh, the secret into the secret levels and uh, then you can get Some specials from there,
0: yeah, exactly. And the fact that the star levels were basically like named after like 90s pop lingo, like tubular and awesome and radical and stuff like that. I just thought that that was interesting.
1: Yeah. So, again, like, Super Mario World, I love this game. It's not just the fact that it's just part of my nostalgia. I guarantee you, this is one of the best Mario games. If you've not played Super Mario World yet, I seriously suggest you go play it.
0: Yeah, there's many ways that you can play it. A, a virtual console. It's on, on the GBA. It's probably out on Switch Online. It's, like, one of the... Def- it's on the SNES Classic. It's one of the de facto games that you need to play.
1: Okay, then. So, um, maybe we should probably get to some of the, like, maybe the uh, side games out of the way, maybe, first... So um, I'm gonna pull out Nigel Mansell's World Championship Racing. I have and, not you know, I,
0: played this game at all. So
1: Nigel Mansell was a very famous Formula One driver. He won very many, many championships, and uh, this was his game. And you know, it's like it's pretty common. You know, at that time, you know, he had Madden, and you had like you know various other people like like games. They had Michael Owen's World Cup Soccer, things like that. You know, like uh, so you know this was pretty common for you know place for the things like this to happen. So uh, Nigel Mansell's World Championship Racing. He well, basically what you do, you do is do Formula One racing. So like. Uh, you know, you have to race a Formula One car around a track, and uh, you know, you just have to have pit stops and things like that. You have to like also, you know, pick what types of tires you're going to have, like you know, what uh, customize your uh, this is actually a game is actually very involved. You have to customize your racer as well whilst you're doing that. So, well, also, for, but mind you, it was you know Formula One racing, so you are going like around laps, like multiple laps, time and time and time again. Now, I could probably like get third in like uh, in Nigel Mansell's world championship i've never won a race though mm. like you know this game is so hard oh man like, yeah it really is so uh yeah that's uh Nigel Meisel's world championship really for you and uh, the music's actually really good in it as well actually yeah. so i do agree on that so uh, just to get that one out of the way the next game i really do want to uh, i highlight is uh, the next game that i actually played which is somewhere in my so here it is. So this is the second game that I actually played after playing Super Mario World, and that's Super Mario All Stars. Yes. Now this came with my Super Nintendo at the time, so like uh, that's the reason why I got Super Mario World and got this at the same time. Like you know, it was it was a de- a really cool deal that uh, Toys R Us was doing at the time, and so we ended up getting both. So I think that was really cool. Yeah. So Super Mario All Stars, well, uh, you know, it's, it's basically what it is. Is it's remakes of the, the original Super Mario Brothers, Super Mario Two, Super Mario Three, and also it includes what we- is Super Mario Brothers. Two, which in actual fact is you know so is it Mario Brothers to Lost Levels which in actual fact is just Mario Brothers 2
0: yeah exactly and I believe this is how I first got introduced to Mario at least in terms of like when you know I played through the other games I did mention that I did learn about um, you know the NES games from my teacher but uh, I also you know got more into Mario because of the All-Stars pack and at the time with the Super Mario World graphics inside of these games I thought that they were like brand new I didn't know that they came out like years before I mean like literally the original Super Mario Brothers came out like one year before I was even born and so I thought that these were like you know new games and I was playing a lot of Super Mario World at the time and so I was thinking like wow there's even more Mario games for me to play with and this is like what this is probably my my favorite way of playing the classic Super Mario Brothers games I'm sure the NES uh, versions are great but I actually like the SNES versions a little bit more
1: yeah Okay, so um, the next game I would like to pull out of the collection is oh here we go. This is FIFA International Soccer. So uh, when I was a little boy, um, I went onto went to uh, to a guy who's dressed up as Santa Claus, and uh, I asked him for this game, and I got it. <laughs> so therefore, you know, if you see a guy who's dressed as Santa Claus and you want a football game, go ask go, go ask Santa Claus right now. He'll give it to you. <laughs> but uh, so no, so I'm serious. So um, the reason I pick up this game is because before you were talking about the multi tap which is the uh, the device that gives you the opportunity to put in more than two uh, uh, co- controllers in it you can put in six now this game you can play with five people wow like, yeah so this game is pretty awesome so you're gonna have five people you know running around a football uh, pitch you know we're trying to score a goal so basically it's just this is a soccer game so the one thing i'll say about though about um, fifa international soccer is that they weren't allowed they were allowed to license the the countries but they weren't allowed to license the players so um you'll notice that in this game that there are no like real like you know uh, named players in this game and it's a shame really because you know I think this is probably one of the best you know football games on the on the Super uh, Super Nintendo in my opinion mm-hmm. and so um you know I've won by the way I've won the World Cup multiple times uh, on this because <laughs> of course you do but the problem is that I always always play as the Brazil and like it but the problem is that you know it's easy to win with Brazil but when you try and win like with any of the other teams like you know um It is really difficult, especially when you get like it seems like you know like Morocco and Saudi Arabia like that. Because you know what it is is when you win the cup, you then get access to cheat codes that come with that and uh, but to be honest with you like after I found all the cheat codes on GameFAQs.com like there was no real reason to kind of keep playing the World Cup anymore so I kind of just kind of, just kind of gave up on it after that
0: mm-hmm. but uh,
1: you yeah, know that uh, story yeah. about
0: like using the countries but not using the players it kind of reminds me of like Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, baseball in which they were able to license him but they were not able to license all the other baseball players so they had like these weird made up names to add into the lineup I just thought that that was really interesting yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: The next game in my collection is Mortal Kombat 2, and uh, this is actually one of the first really violent games that I played on the Super Nintendo. You know, it was kind of funny because we bought it, and uh, my dad didn't realize that uh, this game was actually for, you know, uh, 17 and over at the time. This was this was before, like, you know, we had, like, you know, the rating system, actually, on games. Like, before, it used to be, like, advisory, so, like, you know, if you wanted to play, like, a really violent game, like Duke Nukem 3D or something like that, you could do. You know, like, there was no, like, you know, um, rating system on there at the time that was legally, you know, uh, so people were, you know, basically allowed to, like, play these games if they wanted to. So, um, Mortal Kombat 2, uh, we used to joke about the fact that when I used to punch people and you know, was, like, all sorts of blood would come out, like, you know, he would just say, like, oh, it's tomato ketchup. <laughs> and that was a joke that me and my my siblings used to, play, used to use when uh, playing uh, Mortal Kombat 2. Um, took me a good long while to actually beat this game, and actually beat Shao Kahn. Good grief. You know, I was stuck on Kitano for, like, ever. Like, you know, I must have not, been able to get past him for like probably like a year and a half when I first owned this game and I almost gave gave up at one point and then I looked up some walkthroughs about how to actually beat the game and then it was like oh yeah okay and then I did it. So like uh, so I mean Mortal Kombat 2 I mean it's not as good as the arcade version by any stretch of the imagination but I mean at least it's a passable port I would say. You know, in my opinion, yeah, I
0: actually did play a lot of this as well because my cousin owned Mortal Kombat 2. and I remember just the amount of blood and violence and all of the fatalities. And then there was also friendships. the The stages even can kill you, so I remember that just being so abrupt with this game. Isn't it
1: fun when you knock people into the acid or like oh, you knock yes. them into the floor, stuff or, like that.
0: or or you get to like you know punch a, a person and then they just fall all the way to the ground and then they just cut up. With spikes, and you know, you just get to see the blood like pouring down. We had a
1: fun childhood, didn't we? (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's a fun show. With blood. But no. Fatality. <laughs> yeah, just it was it was really, really great. And it was like on par with like Street Fighter 2 as like one of the best fighting games that you can play on the arcades. But yeah, I, I really did enjoy this game. I also became a, a follower of Mortal Kombat for several years. I kind of like gave up after Wake went over to 3D because it didn't look that appealing to me. And then I found out about like Shaolin Monks uh, when my cousin played. it and I was like really invested in like the storyline with Liu Kang and and basically just you know going over like different levels and having like a beat-em-up style which is actually pretty interesting and then when Mortal Kombat 9 came along and rebooted the entire series that was like okay now I'm following this again and now Mortal Kombat 1 which is basically like a refreshing the alternative universe that happened in Mortal Kombat 12 so yeah that's an interesting story but yeah just looking back on where this the series came from and the movie and the mortal Kombat theme song well, less we
1: speak about the movies the better
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that's true all right then
1: yeah um anyway i'm about to pick out a game that i'd say you love so much
0: <laughs> yes super metroid yeah so i've already talked so many times about my history with this game, but for those who don't, um, yeah, I already talked about my time playing the original Metroid when I was about seven years old, and then my cousin got a copy of Super Metroid because it was one of his dad's favorite games. And so, I was able to play the heck out of it. I got lost so many times, but at the same time, I was just really infatuated with its atmosphere and its music and the fact that you were able to... like defeat all these bad guys you have to find the power-ups you had to find the weapons and you had to like go through many obstacles so that you can be able to reach the end of the level and i've said this to this day that it's still probably my favorite video game of all time metroid dread was really really close to doing it but super nintendo uh, super metroid is the one that still holds uh, a special place in my heart
1: do you know what's special about this car- this cartridge what's that this is the big box cartridge
0: Oh, really, These had
1: the strategy guys in it and everything like that. And uh, you know, I'm really kicking myself because you know, back in the day, like you know, we just saw like you know, these as just pa- you know, boxes just as packaging, so you just throw them away. Yeah, But imagine like you know, I feel like real, like if real now that I see how valuable they are, like some of them might go for like $250 now or something like that. Like you know, if I felt like if I kept it, like you know, that would have been a really valuable collector's item now, but uh, now it's just a standard cartridge, so right. like uh, yeah, I feel really bad about throwing it away now. But uh, I mean, what, would, know,
0: what we didn't know that at the time, we just yeah, thought. didn't I mean we we had like small rooms to begin with and we needed to like you know store this stuff in an easier way and so we just threw the box away because it just took up space
1: yeah exactly so anyway that was super metroid and uh, the next game i really want to talk about next is definitely super mario Kart. this was basically just to fill up the super nintendo library like you know there was no real thought that actually went into this and in fact it wasn't even going to be a game full of mario characters if anything it was going to be just a generic racer but then obviously mario characters were brought into it and the rest is history yeah it is the first you know uh, edition of mario Kart. it's uh, you know i have to say it's a lot Different from where we are now with like you know Mario Kart 8 and like all the various other Mario Kart games that we've got.
0: Yeah, it had a very small roster. You had you had Mario, you had Luigi, uh Princess Toadstool, Toad, Bowser, uh, you had Yoshi, and you had Donkey Kong. And that was pretty much it. You only had a small roster of characters. And you well, also keep ha- in mind, like, you know, the
1: the Super Nintendo, you know, the cartridges also could only take a certain amount of the time. Now, if it probably had the super effects chip, you know, when they developed that, you know, where uh, maybe we probably could have had more characters, and maybe we had more possibilities, but keep this in mind, like, you know, the Super Nintendo and the existing hardware that they had at the time couldn't do the things that, you know, like, have an expanded roster or anything like that, or, like, you know, uh, even then, the, if you go into, there's a YouTube video about how, you know, di- difficult the development of uh, Mario Kart was. Now, uh, there's another game that we're going to talk about later on, which, you know, uh, had, like, you know, a basic, like, you know, understanding of, like, how these 3D kind of races work, but, uh, you other I have to get really in depth. with the technology in order to pull this off.
0: Yeah, and so you have a lot of the levels that would become the standard of a lot of Mario Kart games. You have like the the, the regular tracks with uh, dirt and with water. You had Bowser's levels. You had Rainbow Road. You had the ghost section. So yeah, a lot of the stuff that we take for granted in modern Mario Kart games started here. Not only that, but we also had the battle games where you got all the balloons and you get to pop them. It's all started off right here. Now, we recently... Uh, what was it? Like, in the last year or so, we actually played through all of the Mario Kart games because you had this... Mario Kart 64 Double Dash and then Mario Kart 8 and we were like looking at it it's like wow the controls have vastly changed and improved I since you know, if, like,
1: I have uh, Mario Kart Wii and I also have like you know Mario Kart uh, su- Super sorry have Mario Kart DS as well the only Mario Kart game that I don't have is either like the arcade version and Super Circuit those okay. are the only two that I don't have
0: okay then yeah so I remember playing through the original Mario Kart last year when I was in England with you and yeah I would say that it's a little bit rough around the edges uh, it definitely has that uh, classic case of first game syndrome, where the sequels were able to improve in every single aspect of it. I, although I don't like Mario Kart 64 very much, I find the controls to be a little bit rough, and I, I felt that Double Dash was the one that really just played so smoothly for me. That and Mario Kart 8 were the ones that were my favorites, but I cannot deny of what an impact that Super Mario Kart was able to leave in the the gaming you know circuit.
1: Okay, yeah, the next game we want to talk about is Micro Machines. That's actually an Ocean game. So, um, Micro Machines, you know, they had, like, various versions of this game, but uh, the versions that I had was uh, um, um, Mario Micro Machines 2 tor- Tournament, and also I had Micro Machines also on the uh, on the SNES as well. So, um, I liked uh, Micro Machines because, uh, you know, it uh, was basically a basic racing game, and so you had to, like, race to the end of the screen, and then obviously you would win, you know, obviously the different rounds. you play with, like, multiple Players and also, like, you know, you could do like you know, the arcade racing as well, where you like you have to basically defeat every single racer and basically collect all the micro machines, you know, from all the races and everything like that. So, like, you know, micro machines was a really fun game okay. in that time.
0: Okay, yeah. I've never played Micro Machines. All I know about it is like the little tiny cars and the Micro Machines guy. I would definitely guy. say
1: though, like, you know, um, as much as I do like uh, Micro Machines on SNES, I do prefer the PC version. Okay, then. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I and I thought that the one cool thing about Micro Machines when you showed it to me was that they're, because they're really tiny cars, the entire, you know, racetracks are, you know, basically like regular things just gigantified. And I just thought that that was actually really cool.
1: Yeah. Okay, let's talk about F Zero.
0: Oh, so. yes, F Zero. Uh, F
1: Zero, I thought was. I bought this, you know, a lot later on in life, and because uh, I kind of, you know, I, I played F Zero GX, and uh, I was just a bit curious because I did see F Zero online, and uh, I bought it, and uh, just to give it a bit of a, a once over, and, uh, you know, like, uh, it is, you know, even though it only has, like, you know, a couple of ships that you can play with and everything like that, like, you know, just racing through, like, you know, like, you know, like a thousand miles an hour, things like that. Like, that was actually that was pretty fun. And, uh, you know, it was not that. Like, it doesn't do anything anything like, you know, is not isn't serves itself. It is actually a very basic racer. If anything, it kind of puts the Mega Drive to shame when you really think about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember when I first saw the commercial for F-Zero, and it was basically just, like, simulating about how fast the game was, and to the point in which, like, the guy who's playing the game is, like, you know, all the way back in his seat, and his face is just, like, overstretched because of just how fast it was going. And, yeah, I mean, it introduced us Captain Falcon and various other characters characters that we would know from the F-Zero series, and unfortunately, we haven't had an F-Zero game in a very long time, not since the GameCube.
1: There and- was a guy who uh, basically spent, like, thousands of dollars on shares, to basically get into a shareholder means to actually ask, why is F-Zero in all of this? Like, that's how badly some people actually want an F-Zero game now, in yeah, yeah, exactly. 2023.
0: Absolutely, so... Yeah, th- there's a reason why because F Zero, even though that it's a basic game, it's still a lot of fun, and people wanted Nintendo. Come on, get get it yeah, together. come on, get
1: it together. So anyway, I'm saving the best to last. So I'm gonna go through some of these other games. Um, oh my goodness, uh, Super Mario World 2: Yoshi's Island. Yes, this, this got a lot of fans really happy. You know, like uh, they really do like this game. So um the um so basically what it is is like it tells the uh it's actually a prequel it is actually it is so it's kind of like if it's uh you know uh it's not actually right to call it super mario world 2 if anything it's like it's like super mario world like you know zero of anything i
0: mean to but- be fair we had the godfather part Two and that was a prequel yeah, so um,
1: so the idea is that you know Mario and Luigi are babies, and like uh, so uh, the Mega Cooper uh, you know uh, snatches uh, you know I can't remember the name of the Kamek. game. Kamik uh, snatches Luigi and uh, and Mario falls to the ground and is rescued by Yoshi's, and it's up to Yoshi's to uh, to help Mario basically go up to uh, find Camis uh, uh, and to be able to rescue his brother. So um, you know, like uh, I really love this this game is so you know colorful. It's uh, I love the animation on it, Also, the 3D animation on the island is also pretty cool too when you first start up the game, and uh, yeah, just like uh, you know, um, also like all the villains, you know, all the bosses are also really fun to play against as well. So, um, you know, uh, I I didn't really manage to play Yoshi's Island until a lot later on, until like you know, right after, you know, because keep you know, back when the Nintendo 64 launched, you know, all the as you can probably imagine, all the Super Nintendo games then got cheap, and then obviously then you could buy you could buy them, and everything like that. So like, uh, yeah, that's what kind of what I did. I waited until you know. Nintendo games started getting cheaper you know on the previous and then started kind of buying them in bulk well
0: yeah that's great hindsight considering of how expensive they are nowadays
1: yeah exactly so um, also have you noticed that there's a problem with the actual uh, Super Nintendo cartridges themselves like you know, like uh, uh, imagine having them in the way that I've had them to do. I've had to memorize basically where every uh, game is in my box. So um, some people who you know on these pre-owned games have had to go to the as far as like to pre- to actually write what the game actually is on the top of the cartridge.
0: Yeah, like I'm just looking at this right now, and the PAL versions of your cartridges have no end labels. No, they don't. Yeah, and, and- the
1: Famicom versions didn't have
0: those end labels either. That's really interesting because usually whenever I remember, like, looking at the cartridges of, you know, Super Nintendo or NES, they had the N labels right on the side so you know what game you're looking at. You can
1: now buy N labels, you know, just because people have, like, had foresight, so they say, yo, yeah, maybe we should have N labels, so you can't get them, you know, now, but so, you know, back in the day, you had to basically just kind of pull the game out and I okay, this is Yoshi's Island, keep in mind, we didn't have the boxes because we threw the boxes away, so basically you had to rely on, like, you know, what cartridges had at that time. Yeah, so, the only yeah. time in
0: which I've seen an issue with that was like with the Nintendo 64 where they didn't have end labels. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, you uh, you know, going on from GameCube onwards, you had the CDs. Well,
1: I mean, yeah, GameCube didn't really have like, I mean, they had like the, the CD boxes so you can see what, what was exactly, in there. Exactly, yeah, right. But they didn't, really, they didn't really count as end labels, really. Yeah, but I even talk cartridges.
0: Yeah, but I want to talk about Yoshi's Island. I remember when this game came out and it was all about Yoshi and I just thought to myself, that's a really interesting idea because, you know, I really liked playing playing Yoshi in Super Mario World and being able to have like this baby Mario that you had to protect. I mean, yeah, he got a little bit annoying with the crying at times, but I mean that's not hey, hey, hey yeah exactly so uh, I didn't really have too much of an issue because I was able to avoid it as much as I could but yeah the levels are really creative I really love the music in this and the graphics are really really nice and colorful I remember a digital gaming video where they were talking about that Nintendo wanted Super Mario uh, Super Super Mario World 2 Yoshi's Island to have 3D graphics akin to like Donkey Kong Country but Miyamoto was like no I want to have simple crayon drawings because it would fit the aesthetic of Yoshi and it works It it looks really great and I also love the final battle with Baby Bowser where he's just like this Godzilla-sized monster because Kamik was able to throw his magic at him and he had to like fight him from afar. And that was like really, really cool.
1: Uh-huh. Okay, so um, the next game that I've got is Kirby's Dream Course.
0: Okay, yeah. so essentially This, this, this essentially is essentially is golf. Yeah, this is essentially golf. So yeah, you have Kirby and you have uh, various other colors of Kirby and you just go through all of the different levels and just, you know, whacking Kirby around like a ball. And if you're able to, you know, get power ups, you can be able to, um, you know, fight off against various enemies. And yeah, the whole point of the game is just to get in the hole as le- uh, with least hits as you can and then just win the game. Mm-hmm. And I've I've never been good with golf. I mean, Aaron can tell you that I suck at golf. Uh,
1: well, you know, you're very good at putting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll you say that. So, and also, uh, you thrashed you me at mini-golf at one point as well.
0: Oh, and, that, yeah. that one time! That
1: one time, like, uh, and then ever since then, I've been getting you back. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, um, I mean, uh, the reason I ended up picking... I, I didn't originally own Kirby's Dream Course. The only reason I ended up picking this up because I saw... Uh, uh, it, was, it was Aaron and Dan from Game Grumps playing it, and it was just so hilarious watching them play it. So I thought, you know what, I'll pick it up for myself. Okay. And, that, and also, you know, Tom also owns uh, my friend Tom. Shout out to him, by the way. He owns an SNES classic, and he has Kirby's Dream Course on there. And also, you have an SNES classic, and you have Kirby's Dream Course on I there. I do. So I need to practice on my Kirby Dream Course, so you know, I, I know when I'm up for a fight. <laughs> so uh, even though he has to win a game on Kirby's Dream Course, by the way, but it was my. I know, I know, I do. Uh, by the way. I do decide to send the best till last, and uh, this is. These are my favourite th- uh, trilogy of games, you know. Uh, I'm sure there's another trilogy of games that I really love, but this is the Donkey Kong Collection. You know, minus Donkey Kong Country Returns on the Wii, but, you know, I digress. These are the Super Nintendo games for Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country, Donkey Kong Country Country 2, Diddy Kong's Quest, and Donkey Kong Country 3.
0: Yeah, I really love these games so much, even though that they were a little bit difficult at times, and especially if you're trying to get 100% or 101% or 102% or 103%, but these games are amazing. The fact that they were able to bring back Donkey Kong Donkey Kong in a new light because I mean the last time that we saw him was back in the 80s with like the Donkey Kong Juniors and all that kind of stuff the arcade games like we talked about before but they were able to bring back Donkey Kong in a fresh new light and they were able to have you know great platforming on par with Super Mario World and you had the amazing music done by David Weiss and Rare was able to knock it out of the park with their 3D graphics which at the time was revolutionary like there was no other video games like this at the time, and also you have all of the amazing animal companions, and you also have King K rule as the baddie, and all the Kremlings. Uh, and then, of course, you have you know Donkey Kong Country 2, where you get to play as uh Diddy and Dixie, where you're trying to save Donkey Kong, and then Donkey Kong Country 3, where you're trying to f- save Donkey and, and Diddy Kong, and you get to play as um uh, Dixie Kong, Dixie Kong and, and, and Kitty Kong. And so, yeah, all three of these games are fantastic in their own unique way. And it's kind of hard to say, like, which one is the best because they each have their massive strengths.
1: I like Donkey Kong Country 2. I think Donkey Kong Country 2, out of the three, I think Donkey, I think, uh, Donkey Kong Country 2, I think is probably my favorite. Donkey I
0: would Country. probably say the same thing as well. It was definitely the game that I felt was very balanced with all of the levels. I really like the speed of both Diddy and Dixie. And also the music, I feel, was definitely on par with the first one that David Wise was able to have complete control over it And he just knocked it out of the park. And you also have, like, Sticker Brush Symphony and, you know, all these other fantastic games. I mean, you also have to um, give credit to the way that they were able to have uh, King K. Rules' final battle, which was also really great. So, yeah, I really love the Donkey Kong Country games. And the less we say about the animated series, the better.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, uh, mind you, in, in uh, absolute Nintendo Direct fashion, I actually do have another surprise. Oh, and that really? Is that, uh, now, I don't have it with me, but uh, I keep it in a box because it's in its original box with its original manual and its original wrapping as well. I have got Star Fox. Oh, wow. Yeah, and here in the UK, we call it Star Wing because Star Fox it was a trademark company. I think it was a vacuum cleaner or something like that. So uh, we couldn't, you couldn't use the word Star Fox, but we do have Star Wing. And, okay. Uh, um, Star Wing, as we know it back at the time, was uh, uh, the, I loved that game so much. Like you know, it's just it's uh, it, the idea that you know it uses the Super effective to, to make the, uh, the Super Nintendo do 3D. aspect. this was like a whole new way of doing you know uh, gaming at the time, and uh, the fact that Star Fox was able to pull that off using only just uh, you know, some additional chips in the cartridge and not actually touch the original hardware of the Super Nintendo. I thought that was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, like you know, that. And, uh, so, um... You know, I like the idea of, like, you know, if you got Fox McCloud, um, Peppy Hair, you know, Slippy Toad, and Falco Lombardi, you go, you know, these are, you know, a bunch of rebels who are going through, uh, you know, to, to area and going through, like, uh, you know, the the, the the Lilac Galaxy to go defeat uh, Andross, you know, at the very end on the planet Venom. And uh, it was, uh, I really loved it. I really wish there was a movie of this, uh, of Star Fox. I really do. And Now that we have the Super, Super Mario Brothers movie doing really well, who knows? Maybe a Star Fox movie might not be too far ahead. Yeah, but, and the close...
0: Closest thing that we have right now for anything Star Fox animated related is a Fox in space
1: yeah exactly and so yeah I, I you know, so um, I was really hooked on Star Fox I immediately got Lilac Wars the minute I got my, my Nintendo 64 that's how much I love Star Fox
0: yeah and for those who don't know Lilac Wars is it's what Star, Star, Star Fox, Fox 64.
1: 64 yeah so, so it's a, I try to use like you know the, so you say this is Star Fox this is Star Fox 64 but this is the time this is what we knew the mouse because you couldn't use the word Star Fox because uh, it was uh, trademarked by somebody else it wasn't until we actually got Star Fox Adventures and like you know Star Fox Assault and like they started like putting like titles in the name like Star Fox Command for example that we actually call it Star Fox here in the UK uh,
0: why, why was that? was it because of the vacuum cleaner company? wait
1: wait because Star Fox was trademarks at the time
0: yeah I know but I'm just saying that, that did the trademark kind of like uh, slip away when those games came out? well
1: no because like you know it wasn't actually called Star Fox it wasn't called you couldn't call it like uh, you know you couldn't put like a number like on the title you could call it Star Fox Adventures or Star Fox Assault or Star Fox Command or, like, okay. you know, Star Fox, you know, like, you know, Electric Bugaloo or something like that. You know, you can call it that, but you just can call it Star Fox at the time.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, so uh, are there any other favorite SNES games that you have that is not in your collection? Uh, Pile
1: Wings was hilarious, I thought, because, <laughs> you know, I, there was this one bit where you have to have to actually have to land, land like, a, like a biplane, and uh, I said, oh, I could give it. I remember like my friend Mark, shout out to Mark, by the way, um, he owned a Super Nintendo as well, and so I said, you know what, I can have a go trying to land this plane. And he's like, okay, you'll be sorry, and so like uh, we fired it up, and like, uh, there we are trying, I'm there trying to like, uh, you know, line it up with like all the, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the circles that in there, and he just couldn't do it. And uh, even though I was like coming to the throne, it's like, oh hey, this is gonna, this is gonna be all right. This is gonna be too bad. And I, and I crashed, and we all just started laughing. And I was like, <laughs> oh my god, this is so difficult, right? Yeah. So, well, uh, pile of wings. I think added some like you know very difficult, but also some hilarious experience as well. Um, I mean, there's also the Mortal Kombat Trilogy as well. Oh, like, yes. Yeah, so there was that. Mortal Kombat 3 was a uh, quite a fun, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat game. I mean, obviously, here's the thing about this. You know, these ports, you know, obviously don't live up to, like, you know, the actual arcade as well. Like, I actually, you know, we have, like, a, an arcade, you know, a machine, you know, where I work. And, you know, like, so, like, I now can play, like, the arcade version, like, all these beat-em-ups that I, like, I've had owned on, um, you know, on SNES. And i got to say, the arcade, you know, just... just you know uh, blows away you know the uh the, the console ports yeah i just can't
0: believe how far we've come with like how games are being developed because nowadays anything that is out on an arcade is going to be just as good if you buy it on a console because of all the processing power that we have today
1: yeah exactly and uh, so i mean unless you like own like neo geo like you know you couldn't really get as close to like you know the a con- like an arcade version of the of the game really and so like uh, you know unless you had like the arcade system itself like you know you weren't really going to get that close, unlike today, where like you know you can always get it on a virtual console, just download it, effectively.
0: Yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah,
1: but uh, I mean, another uh, game that I remember fondly, uh, I'm actually, is now uh, okay. There was a uh, Street Racer as well. Okay, so there was a company that saw like all the Street Fighter games that were coming out, and we thought, okay, let's do Street Racer. So they mixed uh, Super Mario Kart with Street Fighter and came up with Street Racer. And uh, funny enough, you think it was like one of the, like throwaway, you know, Super Nintendo titles? No, it actually, was pretty fun. Hmm like you know like I hope I come across it again like you know I played it at a friend's house and I thought it was quite fun and also they did a Playstation version of it as well and I might be wrong about this but I think they are thinking of, like doing another version of it as well somewhere in the future that'd I be think. really cool that would be really cool yeah so um yeah so Street Racer was another one Street, all the Street Fighter games I mean, all the beat'em up games actually were fun on the Super Nintendo yeah you know, like it?
0: uh yeah you have like uh, Final Fight and you had like uh Battletoads and Double Dragon and all those games yeah so. exactly
1: so yeah. there was all that as well so I mean like all of that was uh, pretty fun also Castlevania 4 which I think is uh, some people say is like you know the uh, one of the best Castlevania games you know at least in that in that bit era anyway you know like always before Symphony of the Night came came along and obviously you know then that became Castlevania basically you know forever, forever in a day But uh, I think Castlevania 4 was, uh, it actually was my first Castlevania game. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, a challenging game of that. Like, it threw you into the deep end pretty much trying to do that. Like, they knew that, uh, I think, that Castlevania fans were going to be really into Castlevania 4 and uh, didn't really leave that much space for newer players, i got to admit. So, like, uh, you know, but uh, again, like, I found it fun, you know, so uh, that was really cool. And uh, also, there was like another 3D racer that I can remember that they also used the Super FX chip. That was kind of funny, and uh, I can't remember remember what it the... Stun Stunt Race FX, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, that was a fun game as well. So yeah, like, uh, you know, um, the Super Nintendo has a lot of fun memories. And uh, I've only really just got, like, a small sample of that. And uh, also, actually, I, I actually just remember now, um, I actually own now a refurbished version of Zelda Link to the Past. Oh, wow. So, by the way, shout out, there. actually, actually they're a company out there. They're based out in Vietnam, and what they do is, basically, they take old Super Nintendo uh, cartridges, they um, clean them all up, refurbish them, like, you know, even, like, relabel them if need be, and they even put them back in, like, you know, uh, like, reproduced boxes as well, so it actually looks like when you get it, it actually looks like a f- super, like, a fresh new, like, you know, Super Nintendo game, you know, that's a uh, kind of, it takes you back to you know, so when you first bought it in the, you know, in the 90s. Obviously, it doesn't come with, like, the instruction manual, they don't go that elaborate with it or anything like that, or put it, like, you know, in the shrink wrap or anything like that but you know it's still kind of cool to like get that type of game and then so you have a look at it you open it up and like oh wow it smells like you know uh, like a fresh super nintendo game you know like uh, that was a pretty cool experience for me to have and so i actually owned a refurbished version of the uh, zelda links of the past mm-hmm.
0: yeah some of my favorite games on the super nintendo uh as we mentioned earlier the Mega Man x games are some of my favorites there was Mega Man x1 2 and 3 the first one is my favorite because they were able to have such great level design I really love the music it's fantastic and also they were able to have the Mavericks which was you know basically like the Robot Masters but they made them into animals and also it was the first introduction of both Zero and Sigma and those were fantastic additions to Mega Man when at the time it was starting to grow a little bit stale it's like okay yeah we have these six Mega Man games and we have them on the Game Boy and yeah I mean the formula was already starting to get a little tired but then the Mega Man X games were able to like bring them into a new life that we hadn't seen before Uh, another one that was actually some of my favorites um, it was actually some of the licensed games from Disney like I really loved playing Aladdin now I know that there's a debate between Aladdin for the Sega Genesis versus Aladdin for the Super Nintendo but I actually prefer Aladdin for the Super Nintendo because of a lot of the platforming the music it was able to match the the scenes from the movie I mean with the exception of like one or two but that's to be expected but yeah they were able to play the music off very well from the movie and yeah, even though it's a very short and easy game, you can beat it in less than an hour. It was a lot of fun.
1: I mean, I heard Mickey Mania is like the Super Nintendo version is better than the uh, than the, uh, the Mega Drive version. I've heard. I
0: really like Mickey Mania. I like the Magical Quest games, and um, yeah, th- those are r- really great games. And I also enjoyed those as well. A uh, Lion King is really really hard. By the way, like I can never get past the second level. I'm really sure. A kid. I
1: told the story about how like, I went to my dad's friend's house, and uh, she had like you know an American Genesis. And- And uh, I, you know, managed to somehow like, you know, beat the uh, the uh, the Lion King, like, you know, uh, you know, the level with like, you know, the pink rhino that you can't see in the background. And so she was amazed at how I was able to pull that off. And so she actually, because of that, I actually ended up with a game. So it's uh, for the Mega Drive, not for the Super Nintendo, but still.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both pretty much the same way. Even I had the Game Boy version, but they're it's mostly the same thing. And I remember that the reason why that second level was hard in the first place was because the developers noticed that when kids used to buy games and they would beat it in like a less than a few days, they would like return it to the game stores or they would try to sell it for cheap. And so they decided to make the second level hard on purpose. And the guy even had to publicly apologize for making that level as hard as it was was.
1: Well, yeah, screw you. I got past it.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Super Punch-Out was also another one of my favorites. I think that it's not on par with the NES or even the Wii version, but I liked it okay. I, I finally was able to beat up, you know, uh, Nick and Rick Bruiser, which I was having so much difficulties with playing because they hit really, really hard and really, really fast. But I was able to defeat them pretty easily. And um, I also really enjoyed the Contra game. Like I really enjoyed uh, the Contra on the NES and I really liked Contra 3. Even though Contra 3 is really hard, like I cannot beat the fourth level because it is like a it is so difficult, like, all the obstacles that you have to, you know, you have to um, avoid. And also, you, you, even though that you do get, like, an extra lives code, is nothing like the 30-level the uh, Konami code, which is really, really frustrating. And, yeah, th- there are a lot of um, other games. I, I know that RPGs were massive in the Super Nintendo, but unfortunately, I am not an, a JRPG fan. Like, I tried to get myself acquainted with, like, Final Fantasy VI, and I was even playing through a little bit of EarthBound, But... Only Super Mario RPG really caught my attention because I just love Mario, and I also really like the music, and I also really like the fact that it was an easier game to actually grasp and get a hold of. But yeah, I mean, Earthbound did kind of grip my attention for a little bit, but then I started losing interest for a while. But as for Super Mario RPG, I'm almost finished with it. Uh,
1: by the way, and uh, there's one thing I actually wanted to mention about uh, you know Star Fox in regards to uh, Super Nintendo. There was supposed to be a sequel called Star Fox Two, and uh, we all, anyone who has uh, listened to like one of my podcasts uh, re- recently uh, knows uh, the story about Star Fox, but I will say, say first for old school Lane fans who don't know about it. So um, originally, this was going to be like it was all completed, it was ready to go, and then they decided to scrap it and decided to like because uh, Lila Wars was going to be coming out on uh, Star Fox, you know, coming out sixty four was going to come out on Super Nintendo sixty four instead. Somehow, that uh, completed version of the game ended up being leaked online. So you know, like uh, so it's been like you know reworked in so many. Ways. But then, eventually, the SNES Classic basically came out, and they actually released a proper build of Star Fox 2 on that. But here's the thing about this. You know, Star Fox 2 never had an official release on the original Super Nintendo. The only official release that's really happened of Star Fox 2 has been on the SNES Classic.
0: That's crazy to think about. And to think that we, you know, got in this game, like, many years prior because it was leaked online. And, you know, some of the stuff that was implemented in Star Fox 2 would be later showcased in like Super uh, Super uh, Star Fox sixty four and with even Star Fox Zero that would come out like many years later on the Wii U.
1: All of people ask me like you know are you going to play pick up an SNES classic game to play Star Fox two? It's like well I've already played it online so like you know you know so I I don't really see a reason to you know pick up an SNES classic for like you know you know a ton of amount of money just to you know play play again. Don't get me wrong like if I find an SNES classic and you know uh, I have a chance to play Star Fox two I think I will get a chance to play it but you know. Uh, Someone already released, like you know, an English translated version actually, and basically an English build of Star Fox Two. So I just played that and completed it, and you know, that's I'm I'm satisfied as far as I'm concerned.
0: Right. And yeah, there are a lot of other games for the Super Nintendo that are some of my favorites. I really like the Final Fight games. Uh, A lot of things from Capcom was really, really great. I I really enjoyed, as mentioned before, like, you know, a lot of the Street Fighter games and also with Mega Man. And I also really enjoyed, um, you know, like you were saying before, Super Castlevania 4 is one of my favorites as well. And yeah, I really just have a lot of fond memories with the Super Nintendo. It's like one, it's like in the top three of my favorite consoles of all time because of all the amazing games that it was able to release over there and was able to like break new ground compared to what the NES was able to showcase so yeah I think that the Super Nintendo and the NES were able to do some fantastic things into the gaming system where the NES was able to kind of like save the video game crash of 83 when people didn't care about video games anymore. And then the Super Nintendo was able to like craft some of the best games that have ever been released ever and was able to become the stepping stones for a lot of the games that we have today. So I say that for both of these consoles, they're easily accessible for a virtual consoles on the Nintendo Switch, or you can buy the NES Classic or the SNES Classic. And I would recommend that you check out all of this stuff just so you can see how the world of gaming progressed. Yeah, so that is it for this episode of Casual Chats where we talked about NES and SNES memories. So, Aaron, uh, thank you so much for coming on by.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, I think we really just kind of scratched the surface, I think, of, you know, Super Nintendo memories. You know, I hope we're going to do one more of these in the future, maybe when we have some more stuff. So.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, we can definitely do a part two on this. So, cool. yeah. Uh, why don't you plug and promote your stuff? You can find me on Twitter. It's Arunmeta Show. A R
1: U N M E H T A S H O O W. You can you want to ask me a question on Tumblr. It's
0: Arunmeta dot com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, it's also at Arunmeta Show. All right, and as for me, you can check out my work on OldSchoolLane.net. I have a YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com OldSchoolLane, Facebook.com OldSchoolLane. I'm on Twitter at Patty underscore B underscore Miranda. You can check out my podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, all those places. New episodes of the podcast will go there first, and then they'll be going up in a few days on YouTube. So thank you so much for listening, everyone. Let us know in the comments below about your NES and SNES memories. What were your favorite games? Did you have any fond memories playing with it? with your family members or with your friends. Um, Which console do you prefer and why? And uh, let us know if you want us to have a part two where we go over more memories. So that's it. Hope to see you around soon and take care.
1: Bye-bye.